Hi, this is Becky Alcantar, and welcome to The Whole Podcast. Hey, we had a small technical difficulty this week, so thanks for bearing with us. Here's this week's episode. Hey, hi, welcome to The Whole Podcast. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay, and you're joining us for a podcast where we do what, Becky? What do we do in this podcast? We talk about what's happening and how you can deal with what's going on. Yeah, like in life. Like it's got... I mean, like in life, and we're all dealing with a bunch of garbage. Mm-hmm. Like it's every day you wake up and there's like a new thing that's coming at us. And yes. some of it's certainly COVID and some of it's certainly the isolation that comes from COVID. Some of it's the political place that we're in. Some of it's, you know, the cultural and racial place that we're in. Like there's a million things coming at us all at once. It's a perfect storm of disruption. Mm-hmm. And so in the whole podcast, we take our episodes and just talk about a particular facet just for a little bit and what it's like to deal with that and where that feeling comes from and then how to deal deal with that feeling every episode so even though you might be listening to this episode you can go back and listen to any one of the other episodes where we talk about things like depression and shame and blame and like all these things that we're all dealing with we're all dealing with it even if you don't feel like you are it turns out that you will or you are and you just don't know it because you've anyway my name is scott in this life you will experience one or Several of these yeah, things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and right now we're all juggling like 15 of them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my name is Pastor Scott. This is my friend Becky. Becky, say who you are. I'm Becky Alcantara. I'm the author and co-founder of Journey to Wholeness, a program to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. I love that. And today, because it's a special Halloween episode. <laughs> no. no? I texted you last night. I said, what's the topic? Yes, and I responded Halloween. <laughs> no, you responded fear, which I is like... I responded fear, That's yeah. a Halloween thing. Yeah, it is, actually. It coincides well. Actually, I wish we had actually planned it that way on the calendar. <laughs> um, but it's appropriate, really, for all of life. And in this week, particularly, when... Uh, people are trying to scare us intentionally. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it's good to understand really what fear is and when we have unbased fear and what fear is trying to accomplish and what we can do to combat fear. So if you've been sheltering your eyes like my children would when we would go to the video store and they had all the Halloween movies at the yeah. front of the store because they're trying not to get impacted by that. Uh, maybe you're doing the same in your life right now uh, in regards to fear. You're trying not to be impacted or changed or swayed uh, so that you're dealing with this in the weeks to come yeah and it's not even so it's, it's not even like halloween kind of fear no. right like we're living in a world where there's fear everywhere for sure like, like we said two seconds ago in the opening where like people are afraid of the virus and they should be afraid of the virus mm-hmm. it's killing people right mm-hmm. but like i mean but then they're afraid of what happens if this person gets elected and not their person Absolutely. they're afraid of what's going to happen if you know this happens what's going to mm-hmm. so like there's all this mounting fear so when we talk about this anxiety that we have or this these things that we're juggling a lot of them we can come back to fear yes and 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 certainly there's parts and i'm sure we're going to get to this there's parts of fear that are healthy mm-hmm. like there's things that we should be afraid of uh-huh. right cuz and, and there's and there's power in fear there's yes. motivation and there's response that's that's can be positive out of fear, but you can't live in fear just like you can't live in any one of the other things exactly. that are natural occurrences in our brain. That doesn't mean that we should stay there. That it's like a momentary thing. So let's just talk about like let's start with the definition of fear. So good, I, you've done it. We're that's it. The end. No. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> All right. Yes, we always start with the definition because we want to understand what we're talking about. And just like many of the other terms we've addressed in the past, this term is one that we may have different thoughts about. Uh, influences of who defined it for us. And so we use this word to cover a broad scope of uh, events or emotions, um, experiences. So uh, fear is uh, 
let's start with this. Fear is part instinct, part learned, and part taught, mm. which is why there's such a myriad of different uh, views when it comes to fear. So when you're speaking about fear uh, to someone else, they may have a different definition than you do. And so right there, you can see how there can be miscommunication or even debate about that. But fear is an emotional response to a perceived threat either real or thought. So physical and, and psychological, that causes a change in thoughts, behaviors, and physical functions. When fear is directed toward a specific stimuli and subsides quickly after the threat is gone, your natural design of your, your instinct of fear is at work and it's working as it should. Um, fear is natural. It's powerful, as you said, and it's very primitive. Uh, it's our most primitive human emotion. Its job is to actually um, get us to fight, flight, or you know, respond. So it involves a universal biochemical response as well as a high individual emotional response. And so think of that as like two different catalysts coming together and causing this explosion. A fear alerts us to the presence of danger or the threat of harm, whether that is physical or psychological. So now think about that. If fear is designed first to get us out of physical danger, then it's quick, you respond, and you come back. I always think about little babies. When you scare them, you do the boo, and they go, oh, you know, they get afraid, but then they laugh immediately after. That's been resolved. They know that they're in a safe environment. They saw your face after. At first, it was weird and distorted, but it was you, and they think it's hilarious. Now, that's fear at work. Um, in terms of our physical safety, our instinct at work. But when it becomes psychological, that's when it gets a little more complex. Yeah. Can we uh, can we go back to the baby thing? Mm -hmm. Because there's there's also an exhilaration there in yes. fear, right? Mm -hmm. And so like there, for that baby, it likes the feeling of being startled. Now that it knows that it's safe, it can enjoy that. Exactly. And so, but it goes back to things like, I don't know if it was in the pre-show or in, we were talking about like your kids going to the video store and hiding their eyes. Mm -hmm. Like there's another part of us that likes the idea of being scared. Mm -hmm. Like we love the thrill of that. We love right. that. I don't know, whatever chemical that happens in our brain that makes that happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, but it's, um, but it, like you said, fear can protect us. Fear is like, it, it's right. a, um, it's a, it's a self-preservation yes. kind of thing. Survival instinct. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so, so that when we so when we talk about fear and people who might be addicted to fear, mm -hmm. right, or being scared, mm -hmm. like I feel like there can be an unhealthy psychological place to land there. Right. Yes. Yes. So when we, uh, it's that adrenaline rush, right, that we get from fear. And if you feel that you're safe and and you can get out of that scenario, for instance, think of a haunted house. Someone goes in there. I know this is fake. Inside, deep inside of me, I know, even though I scream like a crazy person, uh, I know that I'm safe inside. I have my friends around me who are clinging to me, so I feel safe because they're around me. And I know uh, I can exit this place at some point. So that's where we enjoy that adrenaline uh, rush. But when you continuously live in a state of fear and you're continuously overloading your body with those feelings, now remember we... Our, our brains take in all of the information we receive. It doesn't necessarily uh, categorize those. It just goes, here's information. And so what you perceive in, in a haunted house, um, you know when you're there, you feel safe. But now it, your brain catalog that information. So the next time you're walking down a dark street and you get that feel like your, your arm hairs go up and you feel like someone's right behind you and you can almost touch it because it's tangible, your brain is going, oh, is this the same situation here? And do we need to be uh, aware because there's some threat and now it retrieves that memory even though it was in a context of something fun that you were doing and you were safe at the time it'll pull it out and go is this this do we need to have a heightened sense of fear or be afraid now 
because something is going on. Yeah. And you continuously have to tamp that down. Now think about uh, fear compounded upon fear and then that rushing your body. At, at some point you're overwhelmed. Your brain goes, I can't process all of these hormones that you flooded on me. So we're just going to live in this state right now because I don't know the difference between safety and threat anymore. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's like, startling fear mm-hmm. like boo right that's right. startling fear yep but then there's like dread fear there's mm-hmm. like anxiety fear right right where you're like like i'm the like like uh like a scary movie i don't like scary movies mm-hmm. but like i think about scary movies like guys with the masks on you right. know what i mean like michael myers right right like Freddy Krueger. you didn't even see michael myers in that movie Mm-mm. until like the very end right there was just the threat of michael myers like yeah. he's upstairs right you know what i mean or jaws <laughs> right you or never jaws. actually see right. yeah right. and so there's this dread of right. fear and that and that and that doesn't have to be a guy with a butcher knife or no. an oversized shark no sometimes we live in fear or dread you know just of because of stuff that's tra- trauma that's happened to us in the past exactly so we should talk about why we experience fear but um just to point out what you said like there's a biological fear uh which is our defense defense against threat it's temporary it resolves itself but then there's a psychological fear and that creates very unpleasant state of mind body and emotions right mm-hmm. so there, it just like overwhelms us completely our whole selves um, but why do we experience fear one it can be the unknown so we're fearful of what could possibly happen we play that game what if right and then we go to all of our memory banks on all the possibilities that can happen if you're a fan of crime shows you're going to think well all these things can happen because i've seen them on the crime show right and so the unknown makes us go let me try to prepare for this and i'm going to go to the deep hard drive of my brain to gather facts to help me to prepare for something i don't know is going to happen you can see how quickly you could get overwhelmed by that because you you don't know the scenario so you're trying to pull all this information you can overwhelm yourself right in the process of doing that you're starting to feed the fire of fear because um, i'm putting more uh wood on the fire because i don't actually have a resolution so i'm playing this game i don't have a resolution that's yeah, we're where we're fabricating mm-hmm. what what where this is coming from what the possible threats are what the right. results might be so we're right. fabricating it so sometimes we can use real instances to do that but mm-hmm. then more often than not i feel like in so many parts of our life we like we'll have to like make something up like 3d print it in our minds right. and then right. and th- that's not reliable right that's not reliable information well, and we build right so it's like worst case scenario i think we've talked about the in uh the show this is us where yes. they play the, the worst case scenario why we can stay in this place for a long time and build up this case for it or we go right to the worst thing we think and look at it and go is that even possible it's like the the frog in boiling water if i build up a case slowly it seems more and more uh possible right it seems more and more tangible but if i jump all the way to the place i'm going and go you know here's the worst case scenario and then we lay it out on the table we kind of laugh at it because we're like well that's pretty ridiculous how did i jump from here to here how did i make that leap when we do small leaps. It seems more normal and natural. Yeah. It seems like it's okay for us, but that's not the case. It's I, like when your kids see an aunt or uncle for the first time in like a year and mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, you've gotten so big. Right. We didn't notice that they got big because exactly. we were there the whole time. Very good analogy. Yeah. yeah. And that all depends on your perception. So again, if your vision is not clear, if you filled up your memory bank with really scary images and really uh, troublesome thoughts and all the what ifs, then that's what you're, you're you're retrieving from that's what you're going to to determine what i need to do next and if all of those are negative and scary and threatening 
you can see how quickly you can put yourself in that mode of threat. Why? Because I'm preparing for something I don't know, and there's no resolution, so that's just boiling. It's just rising. Yeah, I want to go back to this idea of a three, how we 3D print that, because you know, when you 3D print something, it makes it like out of a hunk of plastic, but mm-hmm. it like makes it look like whatever it is you're trying to you know make. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's still like you can build you know a metal hammer out of plastic, but it's still not going to work like a metal hammer. So, but the, mm-hmm. stay with me. So what I'm trying to get back to is that don't feel bad or don't think that your feelings aren't real like they're real like as far as as far as your mind's concerned it's real even though you're fabricating and it's made out of a hunk of plastic and it couldn't really function as a hammer Mm -hmm. it might as well be a hammer it's taking its effect on your mind your body yeah right so think about when you're afraid your heart rate goes up um you get flushed um you can feel pains in your body right you're you're but what it's trying to do is activate you. It's trying to make you flee. It's trying to make you take action. And so it'll continue to do that until you respond. So in those moments, it might be good to run, right? <laughs> to like let off some of that fear so that you can actually process what's going on. Your brain is trying to get you into a safe spot. When it's not a physical danger, but psychological, where is that safe spot for you, right? Yeah. What can you run to? Yeah, I talk about this probably too much. But uh, when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, uh, I didn't watch scary movies, but I had an unhealthy idea of what would happen when it got to be night and it was time for bed, mm-hmm. like 11 or 12, maybe even 13, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, I was convinced someone's just outside my door waiting yeah. for the lights to go out, right? And they're going to come in and kill me. under my bed, right? yeah. You know, and not mm-hmm. even like Boogeyman, like it wasn't like a mm-hmm. creepy one-eyed monster. It was like someone's coming to kill me, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and... I would be fine all day until dusk mm-hmm. and then it would then it would start in my mm. gut and it was as real as real. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so then I, I would like go into my parents' room, 12 or 13, and my parents would sleep next to their bed because yeah. uh, I felt safe there. That like, yeah. I mean, I don't know why I didn't think that if the bad guy wanted to get me in my room, why wouldn't he just come <laughs> into my parents' room? Right again. Yeah. So 3D printed, mm-hmm. you know, with unreliable information. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, I, I noticed that my son is doing the same thing. He's 11 mm-hmm. and he's has the same thing. And we, he's never watched one of those scary kind of movies in his life. Mm-hmm. He can't even watch Tangled, which is probably one of my favorite Disney movies. Cause he's so scared of the mom, like the, the mean mom. Wow. Like he just, he, he, like he can't watch it. Okay. And, um, anyway, so like he just, and so like, I'm trying to like help him be healthy, but yet at the same time, make sure that. You know, like, I don't want you to ever feel like I felt because it, eventually my dad, mm-hmm. like he you know, locked the door so I couldn't come in anymore. Right. You know what I mean? So it's that good. amplified your fear. Right. It sure did. Yeah. Like, is my dad in on this then? Is right. He, does he, does he want <laughs> does me to he get care killed? at all? Right. Yeah. <laughs> he just sacrificed me. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, so it's like all these things about like this information that, that feel and look, you know, very real, but it's made with unreliable information, unreliable. Right material exactly it's partly imagined right so that's what makes fear psychological fear a lot worse because we have an active imagination Uh, we are very creative and we make connections right when there's gaps in the storyline we add narrative to it and not necessarily good narrative when we allow that to run away from us rather than being intentional about the thoughts that are there rather than acknowledging here's this thought there is this true or false what can i do now to counteract it we just let it go and go and go and go and go right so what you're doing is is exactly right. Remind him that he's in a safe environment. But then the next question is, 
I don't think he's actually afraid of the tangled woman or the mother in, in there. Uh, it reminds him, it's triggering him about something, some yeah. deeper fear. What is that? Yeah. Right. And so that's when we should pause sometimes and ask questions. And I know often as parents, we want to go, oh, it's okay. It's fine. It's not so bad. But we have to ask, you know, why, why is that so scary to you? Like, what does that remind you of? Like, uh, I know you don't think she's going to jump out of the screen and, but it's, it's plain a narrative in his mind, right? It's adding to that narrative. It's reminding him of that narrative, which he doesn't want to think about. So rather than trying to cover it up or ignore it, because it's still going to be there, right? Because your brain is trying to, is asking you to address it. Uh, we actually just have to address it. We have to actually turn and face that fear and go, mm -hmm. why is this fear here? Why, what is it triggering? And uh, where did it start? And yeah. that's the that's the key question for most of anything that we're dealing with is when did it first start? Because that's that um, that's what your brain and body is trying to resolve still, right? Like this happened. I'm not sure if you're okay right now. So I'm going to keep giving you these red flags until you address it. And then we can put this to bed. We can file it away in the archives. Right. And that's, um, uh, that's what happens, uh, when we get to that place where we're either conditioned or, um, we're having this like anticipatory anxiety of something that'll never ever happen. We had talked about this in a previous um, podcast about the Will Smith uh, quote, and actually I wrote it down today. Fear is not real; it's a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. Uh, fear is real um, and danger is real, but fear is a choice. Um, so if you think about that in terms of dealing with fear when it arises. There are dangers. Your experience is very real, um, but to stay in that state is a choice. Uh, and it's a choice that we have to slow down enough to go, I'm okay, right? right? And we do that for our kids, but can we do that for ourselves? And that's the real challenge. Yeah. And so, I mean, and so haunted houses and, and Halloween movies are one thing, right? But like fear of committing to a relationship, mm -hmm. fear of not drinking, fear of not whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are the things that have real life, you know, implications. Rem yeah, implications mm -hmm. on how we're living. And so it's not necessarily being afraid that someone's going to come in and kill you, but it's afraid of someone's going to hurt you. Right. And think about really um, the artificial fear arousal that happens all around us all the time. Um, think of uh, political ads right now that tell you, you know, do you want your son to die? I mean, it goes that yeah. extreme, yep. right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. If you don't, then vote for this person, right? So <laughs> we do that, though, in other cases, too. Um, do you want your family protected at night, right? And they show a burglar trying to get into your house and buy the security system. Right. You know, do you want this? And so it arouses that fear without our consent, right? So even if you protect yourself, you said you didn't watch any scary movies, but what was that point? What was the message that was introduced to you right. early enough that made you feel like your world wasn't safe yeah. and that this was a possibility? It might have been a security alarm commercial that you heard in the background. Maybe you weren't even paying full attention to it and you're playing with your Legos and stuff right. and right. you receive this message that, and your brain goes, oh, should we pay attention to this? Let me file this away for you, Scott. And then the next time that you went to bed, you're like, wait, the conditions in that in that commercial were it was dark and they were yeah. going to bed and everyone was asleep and so they didn't know he was coming. And so now this is playing in you as if it's real. We didn't actually, you didn't actually have someone go, hey, that this is where that came from. This isn't what happens. You're safe here and reassure you, you had the door locked on you, which just amplified that fear as well. So actually there have been um, 
debates on whether or not uh, marketing companies should be allowed to use that tactic mm. because they're imposing on our emotions, our thoughts, and our behaviors. And so um, I found that really interesting, like that they can stir fear in you to act. Um, and what are the long-term effects of that um, when you do that to people without their consent and really do that to small children as well without your consent. So if you already believe that your world isn't safe, now you're reacting or now you're treating everything as if it's a threat in your life. And so think about how you can misapply that because you don't understand that your underlying understanding of the world is that I'm not safe and everything's a threat. Right. I love this thing that you brought up about how you know people have questioned whether or not marketing and advertising companies should be allowed to what in essence is being a fear monger, right? Mm -hmm. So that's fear mongering where you're just, you're peddling fear, yes, you know, and leveraging fear. And mm -hmm. so like, and I, while I agree with that, even as a marketer and advertising person, I also wonder like, should we be allowing our friends? Should we be allowing our families right. to be fear mongers? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. should we be shutting them down or mm -hmm. at least shutting them out for a second? Oh, Cause I sure. feel like people will do that all the time. People love, you know, sometimes they'll 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 say, "Well, I'm just playing devil's advocate here," yes. and I just I'm just yeah. Be Are wary of that when someone yeah. says, "I'm just." Yes, because I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I feel like fear mongering isn't is doesn't constructive in my life. Like I don't. I have plenty of. I have plenty of anxiety and fear of my own. I don't need to surround myself with people right. that are going to like... You don't need to collect any more. Nope, I definitely mm -hmm. do not. And so like steer away from fear monger. Find hope mongers, yes. right? Like find people that peddle hope, right? right? And positivity. And not mm -hmm. just like like Pollyanna hope mongers, but yeah. like actual, authentic, genuine people that live away of uh, out of hope. I mean, and think about that. Do that in love because quite honestly... Uh, when someone admits to some fear and, and someone else goes, oh, yeah, and then I also heard, and then they feed into the theories and the what ifs, and the, yeah. it's because they're experiencing fear as well. And you can go, oh, you and I feel the same, and let's like build this case up. And then what is your brain doing? It's cataloging this because you're seeing it with your authority, telling your brain, hey, this is all true. So assume this every single time you have a moment when you're uncertain. Instead, go, man, like, they're actually struggling with fear as well. So let me be the catalyst for the hope. Let me like help in that. Like, hey, let's not talk about that. Um, I, I was just thinking about a friend of mine who uh, recently had COVID. And uh, she said uh, that as soon as people found out she had COVID, they started giving her all of these theories about the, the long-term effects and the damage. And are you feeling this and that? And so you start asking yourself, you, you ask your brain and body, am I feeling this? I think I might be feeling this. Oh, no. And so it can lead actually to us believing um, that it's greater than it is, right? Because you're adding information or you're you're super vigilant about some of those things. But also, then you can start to incorporate fear in the worry and the anxiety of what if? I don't know. We don't know the long-term implications of COVID. We don't know a lot about it, right? We know a little more than before and a little less than before, right, is how I feel. Yeah. And yet to entertain those thoughts doesn't do us any good when you're trying to heal your body and brain need to receive goodness right now and rest and mercy and grace so that it can recover. When we add additional fear, now we are uh, using our faculties and our energies on something psychological when our brain needs to focus on the physical so that we can overcome the sickness we're experiencing. I'm not sure how much I believe in like our thoughts manifesting like tr truth uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm not, 
like I'm, I'm not sure how much I believe in like how you can think something so hard that it becomes true mm-hmm. that it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But people will talk about that when right. it comes to like diseases like this or viruses mm-hmm. like this, where like the, oh, it's all in your head, like, mm-hmm. like which is super dismissive. Mm-hmm. But there's also like a, I wonder if there's not a fragment of truth to that. Like, sure. you know, like if you're, if you can build so much fear and anxiety into your mind mm-hmm. that it like, it becomes true. Yeah, there are actual studies. Um, for instance, one I just thought of is uh, there was a study f- with burn victims, and whether or not their thoughts were negative or positive really impacted whether or not those skin grafts uh, took or mm. not. And so there is some component to that, right? When we release certain chemicals in our body, it's not the best state for healing. And so when we're uh, hyper vigilant or hyper exposed or, or have high amounts of cortisol stress hormone in our body, it does impair our ability to for those positive hormones to move in, in and within your body and in your mind to do the work that it needs to do. And so think about that if you just have negative emotions immediately, what will you do in response? Think of your behavior. Will I accept this treatment? Will I um, will I rest as much as they tell me to, or do I feel like I need to do more, and thereby amplifying the cortisol in my body, which inhibits my healing? Yeah. So it's not necessarily that you know we can fabricate and make this happen like in a cloud and it appears, right? But what happens is our our behaviors, our thoughts, our emotions, and our bodily functions and and our actions actually are uh, swayed by what we believe what we're harboring in our head. If it's complete fear, then I'm going to react and respond differently to whatever's introduced to me to help me to get better. So I, I think that's really what we're talking about. Now, in simplified terms, people go, you know, what you think is what you are. And to some extent, that's true because I'm going to follow those things in terms of the choices that I make. Mm. And so that's why fear is a choice, right? We can choose to be in that state or we can choose to walk ourselves out of that place. And I think for some of us we've been living in a state of fear for so long it's just overwhelming right so everything's overwhelming to us right now because we hadn't learned um little scott wasn't taught how to walk out of that fear when he was a kid and so when he's presented with other fears in life related to politics or my finances or my family um, or my house or whatever it is in your life i don't know how to walk out of that fear because i it wasn't modeled for me before and it wasn't taught so remember that um fear is part instinct part learned and part taught and so what did you learn about fear um did you learn that it was a spiritual fear and you need to be afraid of darkness and hide under your bed and pray a lot and if you fear then you don't have enough faith so now i feel ashamed of that mm-hmm. um did you learn about fear were you taught that this is what we do and we like to be scared um, but you never learned how to resolve that fear because you're in a state of perpetual fear um, because that's what we did so uh, there's so many components it just depends on your background um so i i think we need to really start talking about like we've talked about how fear affects us how our mind our perceptions can be affected how our bodies can be affected really um, when we're releasing things in our body that inhibit our healing Um, and then we just you know i just referenced uh, our spirit how we can be in despair and isolation when we feel like we don't have a place to go to or resources available to us uh, to overcome that and then it it affects our relationships as well if you're fearful all the time you start playing what if scenarios and try to protect yourselves uh, from things and so you might respond or you might react to somebody because you're afraid and so you react to them in defense of yourself because you're trying to protect yourself or um, you might just close yourself off and really not form deeply those relationships um, that you are you're wanting and you're longing and desiring Um, so how do we address fear again 
instinct learned taught. So um, if my fear instinct is working as it should, because we can also overload it to the point where um, in, in some patients we've seen that there is no fear, right? Like uh, I would always say that my son, I was like, he just doesn't have fear. Everything is just a challenge to him. So uh, when he uh, steps off of the deck into the bushes, um, he didn't develop fear from that. He just determined, I just need to conquer this. And he went right back and did it again, right? Fear can help us in our parenting, right? If our kids are afraid of certain things, if they're afraid to go outside, if they're afraid to cross the street, that helps us. But does that help them in life? Did that teach them something? We established a fear for them that they never learned a resolution for. They didn't learn, well, here's what I actually just need to do and not live in a fearful state. Mm. Um, and then um, we need to identify the source. So when did this first begin? What am I actually fearing here? Um, often I'll say in any scenario where there's a heightened sense of emotion and, and you're getting heated and worked up is what is really happening right now? Um, what do I need right now? And what am I afraid of or worried about or anxious about right now? And we have to start asking ourselves that those questions rather than pushing through life with this like, just like underlying like nervousness and like anxiousness that you're afraid is going to boil up or fears that you know are affecting how you live life or how you don't live life. Fear can keep you from living life and actually doing things that you want to do and you'll feel unfulfilled and uh, isolated and alone and wondering what the purpose of life is even about. So you can see how fear, because of its physical aspect and psychological aspect, really has a lot of power to do great good for you, but also great damage. Yeah, we talked a little bit earlier in this show and also in a previous show about This Is Us and the big three and how they, the way that they dealt with situations was to like jump to like, what's the word? Okay, right now, what's the worst that could happen? Like, really. And so I feel like that's one way to deal with it. But, like, when I think about, like, my friends who are in a state of fear about the virus and, mm -hmm. like, they're not going to – they're like, they're not living at all. Like, they're – and I'm not, this isn't a mask, no mask. This isn't a blue right. or red thing. This is just people that are, like, frozen right, right now in fear. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what's – and there's – I guess there's people – Politically, they feel the same way. They're frozen in fear. They're like, if this guy gets elected, this whole thing is coming down, right? And so there's people who are like incapacitated by their fear. Mm -hmm. So when it, when it's those kinds of fears, Becky, like what what like where do they start? Yeah. So you you have to learn more about your fear. Like what is it that you're actually afraid of, right? And then you have to replace that with truth. There's a saying, a uh, cast, fill, and trust, right? So I need to cast out the, cast out the negative. Um, and what, what am I thinking about right now that really has no basis? Like, is it based on anything I know? Uh, unfortunately, what we tend to do is we, um, we kind of do this little binge where we look for evidence to support the fear that we have, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and so we will do that on Google. We'll do that with other people. We'll do that on Facebook. And we won't stop until we find something that goes, yep, see that. I knew that's why I should be afraid. And we have to stop doing that. We have to cast out, like, what do we just not know? Um, that it, If this isn't based on some truth, then I have to cast it out. Um, in the scripture, it tells us to cast our cares upon God, right? That what it, that is, is let me enter into this. And um, I always thought that was like, so like, what does that mean? Like, I'm supposed to like toss it into the air? Like, how do I grab yeah, that, right? Yeah. Um, but it's really like identifying the negative thought that you're 
having, right? What is it that I'm focused on right now that I need to change my focus to something else? And then what have I filled myself up with, right? So have I filled up myself up with this evidence um, that's going to hurt me, that is um, evidence of things that are really scary and are to my detriment? Um, and then, you know, where do I need to trust? Where do I need to trust myself more in the people around me, but also uh, in God that he actually has made promises and has uh, given us support to handle these things. Um, so um, there's a few things you can do. You can learn more about your fear. So that's number one. Just pay attention to the patterns that you notice. What symptoms are you experiencing? First address those. You know, are you uh, uh, having a racing heart? Are you flushed? Are you lightheaded? Uh, do you feel this urge to run? Um, are the hair standing up on your arm? Like what? what is the fear that arises so that you can get a grasp of that earlier so that it doesn't run away from you or run away with you. And then start to use your imagination in positive ways instead of uh, magnifying your fears. You know, what actually is good about the circumstances? What security do I have right now in my surroundings that can tamp those fears instead of playing on, you know, what's the worst case scenario or what is the, you know, progressively worst case scenario. And then use your brain in a different way than usual. So your fear and anxiety, they arise out of a certain part of your brain um, and they allow your emotion to overcome your rational thought. So think about that. If you um, are very emotional, you're overcoming the rational part of your brain. How can you engage the rational part of your brain? Can you work on a puzzle? Can you do um, some work? Um, can you, a lot of people like to work with their hands. Can I focus my brain in another area so that I don't allow that emotion to overrun me hormonally so that the fear keeps getting fed. Um, focus on the physical aspects. You know, do I need to slow down my breathing? Um, I'm breathing rapidly because my body is trying to ramp me up so that I can take some action. So you'll notice you'll start taking shorter breaths if you're getting anxious or, or you're edging toward a panic attack. Often we're more afraid of the physical aspects of that than actually the mental aspects. And so you may have had a trigger in your thought, but there's actually physical aspects now that need to be addressed so that it doesn't run away from you. So can when you notice that your breath is getting quicker, can you take a, a breath in? If you notice your eyes are, are darting or your mind is racing, um, can you um, go lie down for five minutes with a, a, a a compress over your eyes to slow that down. Um, and then, and then know, know again, when those fear, uh, feelings are coming up and then, um, what calms you down, right? I love, um, pastor Sonny, uh, always says what stirs your affection for Jesus and what robs your affection uh, for Jesus. And, what are the things that calm you down and reduce your stress level um, and allow you to change your mind over uh, from the emotional part to the more rational part? Or if your mind is racing because you're thinking of all the scenarios, you know, how can you close that down? Uh, nature for me is one of those things. If I'm walking in the woods and uh, looking at a sunset or a sunrise, um, that actually relaxes me. What are the things that can help you to relax you in that process? So again, paying attention to your mind. What's what's your mind doing? Are you on the over anxious rational part? Are you on the emotional part? Um, and then what is your body saying to you? Is it like really amped up and you need to calm that down? Uh, how do you need to use the energy that's been building up so that you can have a release and de-stress yourself so that you don't allow that fear to just take off? Hmm. So for, for me, like I, uh, like so many other things in my life, I'm, I find that I'm unable 
to overcome things mm-hmm. like fear in my life uh, on my own. Like as much as I can be equipped by good information like this and great books and I don't know, mm-hmm. incense or candles or right. I don't know, rubbing crystals or something. I don't know. <laughs> I know that for me, nothing was able to help me with that mm-hmm. uh, until I fully and completely, you know, understood and knew who Jesus was yeah. and who I am in Jesus. Yes. And so I'm reminded you talked about how um, in the Bible it talks about how we should cast our cares on him mm-hmm. because he cares for us. And the original word in Greek uh, that they use for cast there is, I'm never going to be able to say this word, okay. but just bear with me, phonetically or whatever the opposite of phonetically is, it's eparipto, eparipto. Okay. Um, and so that word was only used twice in the Bible. One where it's talking about casting your cares on him, and the other where it was talking about how uh, when the... Um, when the disciples and Jesus arrived in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and they cast all of their uh, cloaks on the back of the donkey so that he could sit on the donkey. And the word there was in such a way that if you can imagine like taking a heavy burden and like throwing it off your shoulder and putting it on the, uh, putting it on the animal, animal shoulder, you know, or animals mm-hmm. back, you know, like you could, you can, you can just visualize this thump, yeah. right? Like I'm so exhausted from carrying this burden. I'm going to thump it on the back of this beast. Right. And so that was the, those are the two ways. That, so if you can imagine casting your cares on Jesus that way, like it's so heavy, it's been on your shoulder for so long, mm-hmm. take it off of your shoulder and throw it down heavily on Jesus because he can take care of it for you. Because it also says, Paul says in one of his letters, uh, uh, in Timothy, he says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but that uh, he's given us one of power and of love and of a sound mind. Mm-hmm. And so that tells me that in some weird Paul way of saying things is that is that a, uh, an anxious mind, a mind that's worried, a mind that's overwhelmed by fear or anxiety, uh, that's not God. That's mm-hmm. not God at work. He's not trying to teach you something in this lesson of anxiety and fear. There's, you're not walking through this thing, mm-hmm. right? That... He's not a, he doesn't want you to have fear. Right. Yeah. uh, So I know fear, if you grew up in religiously in, in, in a church or uh, you, you learned, okay, so God has not given us a spirit of fear, but you also learned fear God. Right. And that can seem like contradictory and it it kind of is um, because really when it talks about fear of God is talking about a reverence and all. But actually, when we give too much attention to our anxieties, our worries, our fear, we're giving that our attention and all. And so it's saying to replace that, like, why would you do that when you could have reverence or fear of God and God alone and nothing else? So it's focusing our minds on someone or something. God says, fear me, focus on me. Like you'll do so much better and get so much in return when you realize who I am and how I'm here for you and what my intentions are for you rather than to lump him in then with, well, okay, he's trying me or if he didn't think I could handle this, he wouldn't give this to me. And that's not it at all. And so we have to get back to that definition of what fear is and what it's doing, right? There's a biological, but then there's a psychological. And part of that psychological includes includes our spiritual in that, what is it that we believe? Uh, There's a scripture in Psalm 56 that says, when I am afraid, I put my truth in you. And think about that. If I'm fearful of something, I'm believing that something is true, right? Something that's going to harm me uh, is true. And instead, can we focus, when I'm afraid, I put my truth in you. Can we focus on God's truth for us and who we are and what his intentions are for us? And then also looking to his, uh, 
his word, his Bible, his book as that handbook to, okay, what do I do? Because the scriptures are full of things. I mean, Philippians says, do not be anxious or fearful about anything, but pray and he will give you the peace you desire. Like if you want to ABC, I can give you six steps on how to combat fear, but here's the one, two, three, like don't be anxious or fearful. So change your perspective, change your direction of where your mind is going. Pray. That's how you do that. You pray and you meditate on him and that he will give you the peace you desire. And how many times have you experienced that? Right. Like it's so, so simple and it seems too simple. Like, no, there must be something else we need to do to do this. But really that is it. How disciplined are you? How resilient are you in redirecting your thoughts when they want to run away from you and focus on something else other than God as truth? Yeah, I love that. You know, uh, this week on another podcast that we had, uh, Chew on That, which is a um, a, a deeper dive into uh, the most recent sermon uh, being taught here at Life Church in Green Bay. Anyway, uh, the guest this week was uh, Pastor uh, Sonny Hennessy. And so she had said something. She said um, that worship, if if we take our worship and we give it to something other than God, mm-hmm. it empties us, mm-hmm. you know, but that if we take our worship and give it only to God or primarily to God mm-hmm. or whatever, that it fills us. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the same thing is true when it comes to fear, right. that I wonder if we have a finite amount or a finite capacity of fear, honest reverence, mm-hmm. right? And that if we give that fear, aweness and reverence to something negative or something right. we don't know is going to happen or we're fearful, it takes it away from God, right? Right. And there's nothing good that comes from yeah. fear and reverence and awesomeness. Mm-hmm. What is the word? Awesomeness? Aw- I don't know. <laughs> nothing good comes from giving that to fear, but there's yeah. so much good when you give that to God. Yes. Um, I mean, there's the scriptures that he, where he tells us to close the door to your inner room, right? And those are the deepest parts of you where he, things grow and take up space. And either negative things and fear that things that you worry about and are anxious about are taking up space there because you harbor them and you go back to them and you ponder them and you're in awe of them and wonder about them and build narratives around them. Or you actually start to address those and combat those and replace them with the truth of God, right? So even as scripture talks about those places, why would we need to shut the door? Because they're probably, they're, I think you're correct. I think there's a capacity in us that we fill it with one thing or another. I think of it as a reservoir. What am I putting in my reservoir? So that when I have these moments where I do need to address something that's difficult or challenging. What am I drawing from? What have I put in my reservoir for me to draw from? Is it fearful things? Have I filled it with things just, um, you know, really not with intention, unintentional that I just allow myself to receive information and things that people say to me or movies I watch or things that I read and fill my reservoir with that so that I can like come up with, that's what I want to use when I'm in trouble? Or do I want to go to the things that are going to give me resilience and hope and uh, they're going to help me to be positive and to take constructive action when those things come up? And so what's in your reservoir right now that needs to be addressed? Right. I feel like, you know, some people that might be listening might not be Jesus people or might might be like uh, occasional Mm -hmm. Jesus people. Mm -hmm. And so you might hear uh, Becky or I talk about Bible verses or Bible passages that talk about this thing. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. don't open your book of spells and read me something out of it. I think it's going to apply to my life. Know that, I mean, I'm sure that there are some Christian people that use that in that sort of way, mm-hmm. like fortune cookie mm-hmm. scripture, mm-hmm. right? But like, I feel like for both Becky and I, we're talking out of a place that where we've lived through mm-hmm. these 
verses, these passages, these thoughts, these notions, these promises yes. as being real, yes. as being like like they happened right. to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's not just something that was written two thousand years ago that I want you to memorize because it'll look good on a bumper sticker. I'm telling you that it happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so like it just so happens that that's what makes the Bible true for me. Right. And that's what makes the faith that I have in Jesus Christ real for me. Right. It's because I've seen it happen, not because someone told me it or it's in a book of spells, but because it happened. Yeah. I mean, we all have traumatic experiences. We all have some unmet expectations, something that occurred that we didn't expect it to be that way. And it turned out another way. And we had to deal with the repercussions of that. Have you gone back to those lines? Are you living fearful of them and them happening again or being susceptible or vulnerable to those things? Or have you gone back to look at what's the life-giving evidence that's there, right? And often if my reservoir is full with the things that we're talking about, then I have been able to go and look at, okay, what did I gain there? What was good there? And when I encounter another circumstance or experience like that i'm able to draw from that okay here's what i gained from that here's what was good there and i can sit there a little and it's it's a bit comical that when i um experience some difficulty i I rupture an achilles i um you know something changes in my life i go all right god what are you going to do with this because i know that in every past circumstances your word has proven true that you have provided and have been present and and you have brought good and redeemed that situation and so i i feel like i pull up my chair and i i sit at the edge of my seat and I go, okay, God, like this is really hard and I didn't expect this, but I know you've given me good from it before that you found, you found a way to redeem it for me. And I, I was appreciative and thankful for it. How are you going to do that again? And it's a completely different approach. I can be fearful of the situation. Oh no, we might lose our jobs. We might lose our home. What will we do then? Can we pay our bills? Or I can go, you know what, God, you showed up many times before. I know you're going to do it again. I'm just waiting and watching for it. I'd rather watch for that, the good, than watch for the things I'm afraid might happen. Again, fear is a choice. Um, Like every emotion, it brings our attention to something that needs to be addressed. Living in fear is a choice. We can address what fear is telling us to look at, work through, respond to, uh, gain uh, insight from, or we can continue to let it give us red flags and red alerts, ignoring it. All that's going to happen is the is the tea kettle keeps boiling and, and the alarm, you know, the whistle keeps going off. And I can live in that or I can choose to start opening up that teapot and addressing what's underneath there. That choice is in your hands. And that can seem like a lot of responsibility, but I find a lot of comfort in that, that I have a say in this, that I can change the trajectory of my thoughts and the state that I'm in. I don't need to live in this state all the time. I can actually start taking steps now uh, to free myself from fear and to face the fears that um, really have been asking for my attention. I just started a new exercise regime Regiment, I think it's regiment. Yeah, I, think I think regime so. is like a yeah, political like a, yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, and one of the coaches there said something uh, this week. Um, she said, uh, "It's okay to start, even though you don't think you're ready." Something like that. It was much more pretty when she said it, mm-hmm. but. My point is, is that sometimes we like put off fixing these sorts of things. Right now we're talking about fear, but any one of these topics is on this list. And so there's a, a, a saying that's you know, something like where you're just kicking it further down the road. Like, I'm just going to kick this. I'm going to deal with it later. I'm going to kick this, 
you know, and I'll deal with it in the next block. But the problem with these kinds of things is it's not just a can or a stone that you're kicking down the road, mm-hmm. that it's in fact a snowball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, So when you kick it down the road, it's not just the same right. size snowball when you get there. It's, not. it's been picked up a whole block's worth of more snow. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be harder to kick it. And so at some point, it's going to be so big that it fills the road and you're not going to be able to kick it. Right. And so it's much easier to deal with when it's still a can or a stone that's not right. covered in snow. Right. But the more you put off trying to deal with what you're fearful about or what you're anxious about or what you're worried about, the bigger the rock's going to get right. until it's like this big giant snowball of rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... I guess my point is, is that now's the time to start, even if you feel like you're not ready, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you'd rather just kick it to the next block I'm right. just start picking it up now. Right. Right. And so what are some of the immediate ways? Like, I know we talked about how to start dealing with fear, but like, what can they jump into right now, Becky? Mm-hmm. Pay attention to, again, those physical cues. Notice when you're, you're fearful and your body is telling you, you're feeling nervous, you're feeling shaky, you're feeling, um, unfocused, disoriented, um, you're breathing harder. Uh, you might, you know, you might actually have a physical shake. Pay attention to those moments. Am I living in a state of fear right now? And then ask that question. What am I afraid of? What is actually happening right now? And as with all things, Becky, sometimes you can answer that question yourself, but like, if you're anything like me, I can't figure that out by myself. Right. Yeah. And so definitely journey to wholeness is a place to go to, to help you get to the root of those things. But a friend, um, a spouse really, there are people all around you who observe you and they know you and they know uh, your tendencies. And so you might be in denial. Uh, the, the, the scriptures say that the heart is deceitful. Uh, we may be in a bit of denial about that, or we've lived in that state for so long that we don't even notice those things. And so having a friend, um, just sit next to you and, and ask them the questions. Do you think I'm fearful? Do you think I'm anxious? Do you think I worry a lot? Where do you see that? Make sure it's a person you trust. Make a sure that their life trust, yes. has evidence. Not that they just say it with their mouth, but they say it with their actions, that they yes. that they love you, they care about you, and that you can trust them. Not because, a fear monger, a hope right, monger. A hope monger. Yeah. Find that person who you're like, gosh, they're always like positive or they're always looking for the bright side of things. That's what you want. In fact, our, our series right now is the bright side. So if you need to listen uh, to uh, uh, sermons, um, start reading scripture, um, do that. Right? What is the bright side of things? And look for those people who are just just radiating that go to them and say hey can i have 30 minutes of your time i want to be a hope monger not a fear monger i love that so if they want to get involved in journey to wholeness becky how do they make that happen you go to our website j2wholeness.org the letter j the number two wholeness.org and we have uh, groups starting all the time there's a few that you can sign up for right now awesome thanks that was a good one today yeah. they're all good because you're so you're smart <laughs> so anyway thanks for joining us if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with someone you feel like could benefit from these words or uh, help them subscribe to these podcasts uh, on any one of your favorite podcast channels thanks for joining us uh, we'll see you next time